This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Wrestling Network, friends and family, welcome to a brand new show here on the PTV Wrestling Network, where we go back in time and uh, take a look at, uh, well, one of our more favorite moments, shows in the history of professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestle Tracks. I am your co-host, Scott Criscola. Uh Thank you for joining us for the uh, maiden voyage. Uh, my co-host came up with the name, I'm going to let him tell you why. Um, he is one of my favorite people. I've done stuff with him, uh, throughout the years. Uh, he, uh, he is of course the, uh, one of the purveyors of it was a thing on TV over on the PTV pop experience. Mr. Greg Diener, Gregory, good evening. How are you? Oh, thank you very much, Scott. So, okay. We came up with the name, well, I came up with the name Russell track. You did not giving you full credit. You came up with it. I like because, it. Yeah. Because. Well, when Stream Lounge went down back in late June, early July, yeah, we we loved doing these, you know, this the um the Stream Lounges we did, and we wanted to keep it going somewhat. So I always viewed this as kind of like, sort of like riff tracks, like how you play the riff of Mike Nelson and company riffing on the movie while you're watching the DVD or stream of the movie right. or whatever. Yep. So. Yeah, there, there it is right there, Russell Tracks. Yep. So we're going to do one show a month, and this one we handpicked because we both love this show we're doing tonight. But starting in September, on our uh, Twitter, at uh, PTBN Wrestling, we will put three shows at the beginning of the month because this show will usually post at the end of the month. And we'll put them up for about a week, and we'll see what people like. Um, uh we were supposed to do a King of the Ring, but then it got so deep into the weeds that we decided to skip it. So we will put that King of the we will, we will when we get into June of twenty four. We will we will do we will put the I think it was King of the Ring ninety eight we were going to do. Uh, we'll put that as one of the choices. So every month we're just gonna and we'll go through you know we'll, we'll live watch we'll talk about things going on at that moment in history, take a look at some other things pop culture a little bit like the Place Be podcast that Jr and I do except it's more of a live watch and we won't go too deep in the weeds on stuff but. But we uh, we'll talk about uh, the show, whatever it is, and this is strictly this isn't strictly WWE. It's a WWE show tonight. Actually, I'm old school. It's a WWF show tonight, and we're not getting the F out tonight. Um, uh, but every month will be very different. Could be a WCW, could be ECW, it could be I don't know Impact or whatever. Anything we can we can stream, we will do, depending on what the poll says. So this one we handpicked. But uh, but starting in September, we will put a post a poll on the PTBN Wrestling Twitter, and uh, 
you let us know what show you'd like us to do every month and we we record it and it'll post towards the end of the month so uh probably right after labor day weekend if you're listening to this when it drops this coming weekend probably next week uh i will post um probably three shows that's probably a good choice right right greg three shows yeah yeah and also i appreciate that you're calling it twitter not x (laughs) it's a dumb logo actually too (laughs) oh god it looks like a child made that logo exactly it's so awful so anyway, so to, to uh, premiere our new adventure tonight, Greg, why don't you let us everyone know what we're going to do? Because this is personally, easily for me, one of my five favorite WWF pay-per-views ever. I think based on that we're in August, I think people kind of have an idea which one it is because people have known me long enough. But let everyone know what we're going to do tonight. Yeah, tonight, Scott, we're going to be doing SummerSlam 1989. Now, this is personal for me because every time... We would hit the last week of August when I was a kid. I always knew we were approaching Labor Day because SummerSlam would always be on the last week of August. And Correct. to me, that was the true end of summer. Yep. SummerSlam. Yep. Um, SummerSlam as a brand has always been my favorite uh, pay-per-view brand in WWE. More, more than the Royal Rumble and actually to a little bit even more than WrestleMania. That was my pay-per-view. My little crew of friends, when I was, you know, in the 80s, we all, we were all wrestling fans, and each of us went to the other's houses to watch the big shows. We didn't, we did the Rumble, we did WrestleMania, we didn't do Survivor Series, because back then, of course, it was on Thanksgiving night, and none of our parents were going to let that fly. So, <laughs> so, um, we did the, we did the Royal Rumble, we did WrestleMania, and SummerSlam was my show. So everyone came to my house for SummerSlam. And so I have a soft spot. That was the first pay-per-view I ever bought with my own money uh, was SummerSlam. 88, my dad bought. But 89, I took out the garbage and washed the dishes enough that I uh, I got my um, – uh, I had enough money to buy. God, it was – what was it, 35 back then? I think it was 35, which seemed like a zillion dollars for a 15 – for a 16-year-old. <laughs> but, was it 30? Maybe it was 30. I think the VHS was more expensive than the freaking renting the show. Uh, oh, yeah, because they was, were uh, priced to rental. I mean, I don't think they gave the Coliseum videotapes to uh, retailers to buy. No. Um, I think the first one I ever saw, I think it was WrestleMania 4, I think was the first one. And it was like 60 bucks. And you're thinking, wow, 60 bucks for two VHS tapes. Now it's like six cents. But, <laughs> but anyway, all right. Why don't we get into it? So we're on Peacock. As both uh, uh, Greg and I live on the East Coast. So we have Peacock, and we have it uh, paused at uh, two seconds. So we are going to uh, hit play in three, two, one. And we open with a wide shot of... The Meadowlands Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey. God, I love that logo. I wish they bring oh. it back. Oh, yeah. wish they bring it back. What a crowd. Of course, the inaugural SummerSlam the year before was at Madison Square Garden, of course. Um, the first few SummerSlams would be, the first four would be on the East Coast because you knew you'd get the fucking great crowd because, you know, Greg and I are East Coasters. Um, this broadcast team, I was stunned. I remember, Greg, because I was watching WCW and WA at the time. 
I was stunned when Tony Schiavone went to the WWF. I was stunned. I never thought a guy like him would ever come to the WWF. I was pretty stunned, actually. Well, considering I didn't have TBS into my house until like 94, I would probably have no idea who Tony Schiavone was at the age of like five years old. So, right, right. I was, uh, let's see, 1989. I was 16 uh, for this show. Uh, I love this open with all the kids playing and and all the in between and jumping in the pool. And that was probably Vince's house right there. Uh, yeah. Um, so this, yep, this is exactly on this date. This was, this was, uh, what, 40, no, 30, 34 years ago, right? Am I doing the math right? Yeah, 34. 34 years ago today, as we're Ooh. recording. Look at that kid with his ice cream coat. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. My buddy was a giant Ultimate Warrior fan. If we ever Ooh. do WrestleMania 6, I'll talk about that. Um, oh, the w- that was probably the official WWF uh, softball, Stanford Softball I, League. I think that might have been Shane swinging that bat. Probably. <laughs> I, that's definitely Kevin Dunn swinging that golf club. <laughs> yes. Um, we get a nice montage of all the big stars. The kid just burned his ass on the slide. Um, I love these Stanford shots. Some of these things I recognize working in Stanford since. And no, that's not Stephanie. Everybody uh, used to say that was Stephanie. That's not Stephanie. Probably one of her friends. Probably. But uh, Meadowlands Arena, of course, that had many names. It is now closed. Uh, but it was the Meadowlands Arena, the Brendan Byrne Arena. Brendan Byrne, for those of you know who don't know, I think he was a past governor of New Jersey. Yeah. And then, of course, con- most people know it as the Continental Airlines Arena throughout the 90s and 2000s when the Devils were winning their cups. And then, then it was the IZOD Center, and it had a giant IZOD logo on it, and now it's closed. Well, it's not closed. Well, it's not closed for public. I think the city of East Rutherford uses it for like the band, like high school bands or something, or they, they use it for storage or something like that. I don't know, but it's still standing. It's not knocked down, but obviously with the, uh, with the Prudential center in Newark, they don't really need it anymore. Um, this opener, um, I got to check my top 100 list, Greg, but this is probably in my top, like 30 greatest pay-per-view matches or general WWE matches of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I remember when I rented this tape in 95 being like shocked seeing Arn and Tully as the tag champs here. Yes. Uh, the Brain Busters. I loved Arn and Tully. Well, I was a horseman guy. So uh, as a kid, I was a fan of the baby faces in WWF, but I loved the heels in Crockett. I loved and I, no disrespect to Dusty. God rest his soul. I love Dusty, but I liked seeing him get his butt kicked by the uh, horseman. So when the Brain Buster, my brother was pumped because my brother hated Hogan and he loved all the bad guys. So he was pumped when. When they came in, and I remember this match, uh, just getting so excited for it, just because these two teams you knew were gonna, yeah. This this match was not going to be a mess. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, but hold on a second. Listen to Jesse here. For the next year, and guess what? It would be a year before they get a title shot. Title shot. Ah, Jesse. God, he's so good. Um, The year before, of course, 88, uh, it was uh, Gorilla and um, Superstar Billy Graham, which was entertaining, uh, moderately. Uh, Remember, Gorilla, after this, did not do SummerSlams. He never did SummerSlams. I think his... 
I think he took the summer off. I think this is when he used yeah. to go Joy Juice. Uh, <laughs> although, he did do, the, although he did do 91. Oh, you're right. He did do 91. I'm sorry. That's right. Uh, he did 88. Of course, Tony and, and then the following year, it was Vince and Piper. And then, yes, it was Gorilla and Bobby. And, and Piper. Piper. All three of them. And then 92, it was Vince and uh, Bobby. Bobby again. And then, of course, 93 and et cetera. Um, I think you, everyone knew, like, you know, the funny thing, Greg, is when you're thinking about, like, the late 80s wrestling, you always think that, like, fans didn't think about, like, good matches. Like, oh, dastardly brain bu-. But when you look, when you're, like, a smart fan, like a guy like a Chad Campbell, and you watch this out of the blue, you're like, oh, man, this match is going to be, like, 15 stars. Um, I don't know what, I'm going to check cage match, because I'm very, I am curious what, what uh, Dave has, uh, what Dave has for a grade for this, for this, for this uh, match. So I'm going to take a look. This had to be at least three and a half stores. Yeah. And then I'm going to check my GWWE top 100 matches of all time and see where I have this. Cause it's definitely on there. We'll go through some, we'll go through history tonight while we're watching this. I'm going to give everyone, uh, Greg's got some baseball and some fun, other pop culture stuff. I'm going to check and see if WCW slash NWA. I don't know if they were, were they technically? Yeah, I guess they were WCW at this point. Um, you know what, if they had any house shows that night, cause I'm going to, I'm just going to gush tonight, Greg, at how much I loved 1989 as a year in wrestling. Um, okay. I have, uh, on baseball reference, you want to hear some of the, uh, baseball scores of this night, August 28th of 89. I most certainly do. I'm um, 89. The Mets didn't suck yet. So they, <laughs> so they probably won, but they were in a oh, pennant race with the Cubs. Yeah, I'll start with the Mets. Uh, one nothing over the Dodgers in L.A. Uh, great pitchers duel. Frank Viola against Earl Hershiser. Wow. Been, that would have been one of Frank Viola's first starts for the Mets. Yep, because he just came in the trade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Red Sox over the Tigers, 6-3. Uh, the Cubs over the Astros, 6-1. Greg Maddox saying the dub for the uh, Cubs. Oh, okay. Twins over the Mariners five to four in ten innings. Let me see who got the walk off in that game. Uh Kirby Puckett RBI double. Oh you go. Uh A's over the uh Yankees seven to three. Dave Stewart got his eighteenth point of the season. Dennis Eckersley got his twenty eighth save of the season. Atlanta over Pittsburgh five two. Padres over the Expos, 9-4. Phillies over the Giants, 9-1. Cardinals over the Reds, 3-2. Todd Whirl getting the save. Uh, and the Brewers, 8-2 over the Blue Jays. So those hmm. were those games on this Monday night of August 28th of 89. And there was actually one preseason game in the NFL this night. It was uh, New Orleans, the Saints being the Bengals, 27 to 10. Ah, gotcha. Hmm. So was this week one or was it? Uh, still preseason. Yeah, I'm guessing it was preseason. Yeah. Uh, wow. Dave only gave this. Dave only gave this match two stars. What? Is this drugs? I, I guarantee you this is probably Dave's reasoning. 
didn't happen in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> I'm logging into my cage match, and I am totally giving this five stars. I don't give a shit what he says. <laughs> and then we'll see where I had it on my GWWE list. One thing I love about Arn and Tully, and this, and I think this, I wrote, I remember reading, writing this on my written review back in the day when JR and I did the, the Vintage Vault. One thing I love about Arn and Tully, tell me what you think about this, Greg. You got, there's not many guys, particularly heels, that are good at controlled chaos, meaning they know how to amp up the, like, chaos meter in a match without making it look sloppy or unorganized, if that makes any sense, you yeah. know? They just knew how to, like, amp up the just the chaos of being that good a team and uh, and just, you know, guys running around the ring and everything. But it didn't get out of control. It stayed contained in the narrative, if that makes any sense. I just I don't know. It, it sounds very uh, verbose or or bougie, but I just, it's just I love the way that those guys, you know, they were like that in Crockett. And and then the short stretch they were here, of course, we all know what would happen to, to Tully, at least. Um, Arn would leave and come back in the middle of 90 to Crockett, but, um, uh, it's just, I can't believe Dave only gave this two stars. I mean, I'm, I'm stunned. Oh, I'm, I'm pissed. I seriously do not get how. Um, yeah, I'm just stunned at how at how uh, low this grade is. Because he grades two other matches on this show very differently um, than this one. Oh! Yeah, see, now, 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 see, right now, everything's all, like, crazy, but everything's, like, right where it's supposed to be. Crazy. Um, all right, so I'm going to go. Let me go to my top 100 WWE matches of all time and see what uh, what I gave. Because this is not going to be the last match on this show that I have on my top 100 of all time. I think most people know what the other one is. If they, if you all know me long enough, uh, throughout my internet wrestling life, I think most people know what the uh, what the other one is, and we'll get to that one in a little while. Heart um, Foundation were in a weird place in these two years, from when they lost, from when they lost the tag titles, Greg, to Strike Force in October of '87, until they would defeat uh, Demolition. The, the following year in Philly, they were almost kind of in limbo, you know? Yeah, they were wrestling great matches, and they were, but they were, they've seemed very in limbo on TV and in the, in the creative aspect of it. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think, like, ever since they turned face, like, in, what was it, the year before, it's been like, I, I, also, it's like, 
you also have Demolition as the champ, so it's like you can't really pair them with Demolition yet. Right. Okay, so I have this match. Oh, this match is a little lower than I thought. I still have it on my top 100. I have this match at 64 on my list of top 100. And again, not the last uh, not the last match from this show. As a matter of fact, uh, I have five matches from 1989 uh, WWF in my in my top uh, 100. Um, I have the Rockers versus these Brainbusters at a uh, January 23rd, 1989 MSG House show at number 91. I had Hogan versus Bossman from a March 18th, 1989 MSG House show at 96. I have Hogan and Savage from WrestleMania 5 at 46. And I have this match at 64. The other match that I have ranked from this show, I'll let you know later and where I have it. But that tells you how great 1989 is as a wrestling year. Uh, I'll get into the, I'll get into the, because uh, I think I have a ton of, w, when, when we did our GWCW slash NWA matches, I think I had, uh, how many 89s that I have? Oh my God. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 matches from Crockett in 1989. Three of them from one show, <laughs> which wow. happened earlier in the year. We'll get to that. And as a matter of fact, uh, Mr. Diener, it was a show that you and I watched. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, were you a Heart Foundation guy? Oh, yeah, definitely. I had the uh, Brett sunglasses when I was a kid, so. Oh, nice. My brother loved uh, Brett. I also really loved the Anvil's beard. Oh, who didn't? cone-shaped beard. Yes. He had that for, geez, forever. Absolutely forever. Because, I mean, if you look back, he debuted in WWF in, I want to say it was probably mid to late 84. And I think he had it. So he definitely was growing it probably from the couple of years before when he was in Stampede. I'm going to assume. Yeah. Well, did, didn't the uh, Hearts and the Bulldogs all join at the same time? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I think it was Brett like one. In. Yeah. And uh, they didn't know what to do with them, and they kind of didn't really know what to do with Anvil as a as a you know a singles heel, so they just kind of hooked these two together. Um, this is the this is the longest match on the card. Wow. The opener. Uh, one match later in the card is about 20 seconds shorter, and the main event is about a minute shorter. Uh, and then there's uh, there's one, two, there's four matches that are over 10 minutes. This is one of them. We have one match that's a scoosh under 15. We have another match that's a scoosh over 16, and then we have a match that's a little over, the main event's a little over 15. This one is 16-23. And fitting, this match should be the longest because it's the best one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love this. Gonna... Oh, sorry, Greg. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, as we talk tonight, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the match pace, the match uh, placing, because that's the only thing that this show probably gets uh, some some shade on. Is not the matches 
in a bubble, but how they were laid out on the card. And we'll get to that as we move ahead. But go ahead. You were saying. I love the fact that the Meadowlands, you had those CRTs like right in the corner. Oh, yeah. It's one of the things I loved about the Meadowlands. Yes. I went. Oh, sorry. I I went to like in uh, 06, I went to like a Nets game in the afternoon and I went to a Devils game at night. That's awesome, actually. I've never done that. I've never done that. I've never been to a building. Well, not counting, like, I've been to buildings for multiple things. Like, I, I went up to the Hartford Civic Center in 98 for the NCAA tournament. And, you know, I went to the day session. Then I went out to the bar, had a few beers, and then came back and went to the night session. But I've never done that where I've been to two different things in a day. Um, that's that's fairly cool. I went to, never went to a pay-per-view there. No, scratch that. I'm sorry. No, I'm wrong. I went to um, uh, Extreme Rules 2014 uh, there. That was oh. the uh, that was the first of the back-to-back Evolution versus Shield matches, and I think that was Daniel Bryan and Kane in a oh, Inferno yeah. match. I think yeah, it was. was. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, that match was terrible. And then of course, poor Daniel Bryan got hurt. Um, the Shield Evolution match is pretty great. They were bad. They brawled all over the place. I love that feud. Oh, that was a great match, I remember. Yeah. Then they had a match the following month, and then Seth turned heel. Um, I believe... I don't think this was Newark. No. I did go to a a college doubleheader there. I think it was like one of those holiday festival kind of things. I think Seton Hall was playing... I want to say like Cal or something, or Stanford. Some Pac-10 team, or Pac-12, I guess it would be. Or or as it's known now, the Pac-4. Yeah. <laughs> and after tomorrow, uh, after an ACC vote this week, it might be the Pac-nothing. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it was Seton Hall and somebody, and then there was another another game. I, I went to a lot of those when I was in, in the 90s. My brother and I and my other buddy, we used to go to a lot of those doubleheaders, like at the Garden, like when Fordham and, and – uh, St. John's and Iona and all those New York schools would play each other. This one was a Jersey one. I want to say maybe it was Rutgers. Okay. Yeah, it was probably Rutgers. It was probably Seton Hall. It was like one of those Garden State something or others. I think it was Seton Hall and Rutgers was. And then there was another game. Okay. Something like Uh, that. I think we're nearing the end of the match right here. Yep, we got the double power slam. And then here we go. And then battling in the corner. And then the double axe handle by double A. And then the best part is he hides his head and Brett actually helps him hide his head. It's <laughs> not even the right guy. That was an awesome ending. That was like prototypical Tully Arn tag match. So fucking good. So oh, good. I love Joey saying about the boy the legal guy. It doesn't matter. Morell doesn't know that. <laughs> Oh, man. So, of course, this was the big uh, the big hullabaloo was this was not a tag, a world title match, world tag title match, because this match was booked. And then on Saturday night's main event, the Brainbusters upset uh, Demolition, who had had the belts for, Jesus, 500 days or something, because they'd won it at WrestleMania four and they hadn't lost. And then right before this show, probably a couple weeks, um, the Brainbusters won a two out of three falls. Or was that the other way around? No, they won. Uh, 
won the tag titles and had him here. And then, and then, uh, oh, look at that. There's actually like tape rippling. Oh, God. So awesome. I'm, I'm shitting to you. Of course, we got rest in peace. Get a, yeah, my son. Got big dust. Uh, we'll talk about this during the Dusty match, which is coming up next. But Dr. G, who, of course, who, as everyone knows, uh, grew up in Florida. Uh, he he grew up a Dusty guy. Of course, Dusty was God in championship wrestling from Florida. Um, he was so offended by the polka dots. <laughs> he hated it so much because he knew that Vince was ribbing him. Um, pissed him off to no end. But guess what? To Dusty's credit. Made it great. Yeah. I own a Jack Superstore's figure of Dusty in the polka dots, so... Beautiful! I liked when he went to the red polka dots when he was, like, voodoo Dusty, when he would have the fucking top hat with the feather in it <laughs> at the end of 89 into 90. That was pretty cool. Or maybe, I'm sorry, that was end of 90 into 91. Oh, yeah. Ah, uh, full house at the Meadowlands, and then this... Oh, God. This stupid guy. Ugh. Oh, God. Johnny Reckless, one of our old-school PTB alums, used to always argue with me on purpose because he knew it got under my skin that Honky was the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. I said, no, he just held it the longest. Um, and, of course, this was Honky's time when he was looking at the lights to everybody from the janitor to the catering guy as payback for holding the IC belt hostage. We'll talk about that in this match. Um. Speaking of Dusty, I think it's a good time to check it out. Let's go to 1989 in WC... Well, I guess it would be Crockett. I'm trying to think. What would you say, Greg? Was it technically WCW in 89, or was it... Even though even though Ted had technically owned it in 1989, I think it was still, like, Jim Crockett Promotions and WA. It was... Well, I think it ceased being Jim Crockett in October 88 when Turner bought it. But it's still right. in that in-between NWA, WCW. And I don't think it fully becomes WCW till like, 90? Like, sometime before the Great American Bash in 90. Right. I think you're right. There's a specific moment. I'll look it up in a second. There's a specific moment, I think. Uh, let's see. All right. So, here it was. August 28th, 1989. They were doing a TV taping in Gainesville, Georgia, at the Georgia Mountain Center. That's, of course, the home of uh, WWF, current WWE superstar AJ Styles. I think he's from Gainesville, Georgia. Uh, according to the taping, Bobby Eaton, thank you to our good friend Mr. Land and the icon Mr. Cawthon from HistoryWWE.com. Uh, Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane defeated Jack Victory and Rip Morgan. Also included Sting. NWA Tag Team Champions Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin, and NWA TV Champion The Great Muta. That's all I know. That's all we got. So, so there was a TV taping on this night in Gainesville, Georgia. And then the next two nights later, the 30th, they did a big center stage taping. Um, so. Okay, this is going to be a lot of BS during this match. So, uh, do you want me to read the top 10 movies of this week according to Box Office Mojo? Please do, because I'll tell you something right now. 19, I'm pumped for this. Uh, I'm pumped for this, Greg. Because 1989, the summer of 89, probably the greatest summer of movies, like, ever, if you're a sci-fi comic book dork. Um, sci-fi, 
horror, you know, comic book, just every amazing movie that we ever loved as kids came out in the summer of 1989. There were two great summers of, of movies in, in the 80s, 82 and 89. So please enlighten us because I am pumped to hear what it probably is. Okay, so this is for the week from August 25th to 31st of 1989. Okay. Number 10, we got some movie called The Package starring Gene Hackman. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty good movie. He, it's a, It takes place... He's a guy who's delivering something into the jungle. It's I think it's like a war movie, but not really. I have okay. heard of it. It's not a bad movie. It's Gene Hackman, so you know it doesn't suck. Oh, yeah. Gene Hackman's good in any, everything. Yeah, so... Um, okay. Uh, number nine, in its 10th week, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, number eight, and I think he talked about this, got on the podcast... Uh, Batman made $3 million, $3.9 million at number eight. Yep, that came that came out the end of June. That is the only movie. Now, I've seen a few movies twice in theaters. One, one off the top of my head I remember was Almost Famous. Only one movie, two movies, sorry, two movies in my life did I ever see in the theater three times. Paid for three tickets. Batman... And Return of the Jedi. Oh. That's how much I loved. That Batman, in my opinion, the greatest superhero movie of all time. And Michael Keaton is my Batman. Just saying. I think I've only seen, like, one movie three times. That was Spider-Man No Way Home. And it definitely was worth that, so. Oh, of course. Great movie. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, Number seven, we got Casualties of War. Uh, Oh, Yes. Michael J. Fox and Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Yeah, it's a Vietnam movie. It's all right. Depressing. Typical Vietnam movie. <laughs> Depressing. Uh, number six, Turner and Hooch. Ah, little back when Tom Hanks did awesome comedies, and we wish he still did because I like his comedies. But uh, Number five, Lethal Weapon 2. Oh, love that one. That's probably my favorite sequel. Three is pretty good, but two is awesome. I mean, the first one's amazing. Second Dude. one's really good. Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> Fantastic. Number four, When Harry Met Sally. Oh, I have sat at the table at Cass's oh. Deli. I have oh, sat that's... at the table. There's a sign hanging off the ceiling over that table that says this is the When Harry Met Sally uh, table. It's pretty great. Awesome. Yep. Uh, number three. And soon to be getting a 4K Ultra HD release from Disney, The Abyss. Yes, I love that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. That film has never been put out on Blu-ray like forever, and like Crazy, they're now right? final, they're now finally getting around to it. So Crazy. There's a lot of movies right now. Uh, Greg and I, as you know, are, are avowed physical media collectors, and uh, so we're in the we're in the know on that kind of thing, and. I think a lot of stuff you're going to start slowly seeing, particularly Disney, because they're realizing that not everybody gets Disney Plus or everybody's pissed off at them. So they're trying to bump up the physical media. Um, Yeah, because they're now now releasing the uh, Mandalorian on Blu-ray, too. Yep. And Loki and something else. A couple of and they're all steelbooks. Yeah. And I think they're going to release Falcon and Winter Soldier when the new Captain America comes out. So probably. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, Number two, Parenthood. 
Oh, that grown-up movie. Steve yeah. Martin, I think. Yeah. And then number one, in its second week, Uncle Buck. Wow. Wow. That was uh, number one for, like, I think one, two, three, four straight weeks. Oh, wow. That, yeah, John Candy probably at probably one of his best roles, I think. I agree. I agree. And that was this specific week in late August. Again, 89, you had... Oh, my God. I might have to look it up. I mean, you had Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You had Ghostbusters 2. You had oh, yeah. License to Kill for you Bond fans, even though that wasn't really that great a movie. It's still a Bond film. Um, oh, God. What else? A couple Star Trek V. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Um, all three major horror franchises had movies out that year. You had Halloween 5. You had... Uh, night, uh, nightmare, four, yeah, or five, and and yeah, Jason takes to Manhattan, and then you had Friday eight. Not all the best, but it's still the franchise. <laughs> Nineteen eighty nine was such a great year. Oh, and I forgot UHF. Oh, UHF, little Weird Al action. Yeah, that's killer. Oh yeah, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, it's just such an amazing. I, I know there's someone missing. Yeah. But, uh, great list, Greg. Thank you for that. that Dusty's probably speaking for all of us, taking a nap here. Oh my God! Yeah, this match is this match is dreadful. This match is not good. But again, this was this was Honky pissed off that he had to pay back for all the all the crap. Um, so here were the top ten movies grossing for the year in 1989. And there were some, not that, you, not that you missed it on purpose, Greg, but obviously these, these movies, some of these movies came out other times of the year, so uh, that you didn't get a chance to mention. Uh, number 10 was Born on the Fourth of July, another depressing Vietnam movie, that one, of course, with Tom Cruise, that was a, an Oliver Stone job. Number 9, as I mentioned, Ghostbusters 2. Number 8, as you mentioned, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Number 7, Lethal Weapon 2. Number 6, and this is one of the ones, speaking of Disney, that kind of started the animated renaissance and that is The Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. Uh, I number had all five. the Happy Meal toys from Little Mermaid. Oh, yes, I do remember those, yeah. Yep, I remember my my uh, my ne- my niece was two, and we had gotten them for her. Um, uh, number five, unheralded Robin Williams' performance, Dead Poets Society. Tremendous movie. Number four, Look Who's Talking. Little bit of the spike of John Travolta's career, and then a few years later, obviously, he'd be back with Pulp Fiction. Number three, oh, forgot about this sequel, Back to the Future 2. And then number two, Batman, and number one was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade beat Batman by $65 million. That's hard to believe, considering it how is. long Batman was out. I have to I have to agree with you. I think the legacy I think two things took that into account. Oh, Dusty. Come on, get some energy going. Come on. <laughs> um, watching the way Dusty's moving right now kind of reminds me of uh, of Cody now. He he does. Cody doesn't do the crotch grab. He does everything else. <laughs> he doesn't do the crotch grab. Well, that's not PG. Think, that is. That's true. That's not. It's like blood. It's like blood in a match. Um, <laughs> um, I think number one. Uh, Indiana Jones was a legacy franchise. I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, um, Temple of Doom, 
That was a legacy thing. And that movie was, I mean, that movie's, some people like that one better than Raiders of the Lost Ark. And number two, remember, this was the first Batman movie since like the, you know, the, the, the Adam West years. And this was also the first time we had the, uh, oh, wow. And that guitar did not break. Oh. Bionic elbow. And looking at the lights, Honky Tonk Man. Um, that was like the the Frank Miller, you know, Dark Knight Batman, and I I'm not sure if people were quite ready for it, but I thought the movie was. I mean, the movie is one of my favorites ever, and it's oh, my favorite superhero movie ever. But that's well, what I think. Well, '89 it was introduced from Batman because uh, Channel 11 out here in New York would air like an hour of the Adam West Batman. Yes, and if. Yep. It, and I think my parents rented the uh, Batman 66 movie, too. So oh, wow. It's like, I have that on my shelf. Oh, hold on a second. I love this. <laughs> See, we came out to Lisa Marie. <laughs> this is so great. That's crazy. And and it, he sold it well because the the guitar originally it didn't look like it it broke, so it probably probably did get a little goozled there. <laughs> of course Dusty's still wearing uh Big Boss Man's uh hat and uh nightstick and uh nightstick, which is pretty funny. Back my uh Jack's Dusty has the nightstick, so Yes. I'm trying to see. Maybe we'll see here if the... Oh, okay, they changed the camera angle. Yeah, see, I don't know what broke the... I don't know what broke the bottom of the guitar, but it was not the honky's head. Because when the guitar fell, the back was still on it. So, I mean, so he did not... It did not uh, give when, when Jimmy Hart smacked him with it. It gave less than the guitar that honky smacked Jake with two years earlier. <laughs> Good Jesus Christ. <laughs> a fucking mess. I mean, I was a big demolition mark at the time. They're not the Road Warriors. Sorry, Sean and Keith Langston. But uh and don't and they're no, they're not better. But I love uh, I love demolition. But that drooling snot filled doofus in the back oh, with this dumb fucking cape. Oh good grief. <laughs> Shoot me in the head. It's ridiculous. <laughs> God. Take the stinking teeth in. I love that he put a crown on the two by four. Swear to fucking God. What a what a fucking putz. Oh my god. They're ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. This is this looks so ridiculous. Oh my god. What the other thing is, why is why is Duggan's mask like all beat up? Why is there like chips on it and everything? Was that was that uh I don't know who the goalie of the who the goalie of the Devils in eighty nine. It wasn't Marty. Marty didn't come in until 93, 93, 94. I don't even know who the hell the goalie of the Devils was, but I'll look it up and, on hockey reference. There you go. Who was the goalie? Yeah, we need the goalie for the Devils in eighty eight, eighty. Now eighty eight they made that run to the uh Eastern Conference Finals. They lost to the Bruins. Who then got swept by fucking Wayne and the Oilers. Uh, uh Sean Burke. Oh, forgot about Sean Burke. And then he ended up playing for the Whalers. Totally yeah. forgot about Sean Burke. Good call. Totally forgot about him. He ended up playing for the Whale. All right, so here we go. In the who got the Mr. Perfect gimmick match, the guy <laughs> who did and the guy who didn't. 
I must ask you, Mr. Diener, do you have a Red Rooster figure? No. <laughs> and that's would, all he's going to say about that. <laughs> why would they ever make your Red Rooster figure? That is, that is true. That is kind of a waste of plastic. So, <laughs> I don't think Mattel has ever thought, you know what? We need to make a Red Rooster figure now. I know. Seriously. Do you have a perfect one? Uh, I had this Hasbro. Okay. They made a great, um, I have it so, oh no, I gave it to Justin. Um, there was a great three pack, one of the call, the classic hall of fame, the classic superstars three pack. It was perfect. Bobby and flair. Oh, like a 92 rumble pack. It was, it was sweet. I gave it to, I had no room here. I gave it to, I gave it to Jr. Um, is uh perfect in that uh superstars line, which is kind of like me to uh, the Remco figures. I think he is. He might be. I'm pretty sure he's solo. Uh, this one I had was he was in the suit with the boat with the ponytail because it was him, Flair, and and uh, yeah, because I go I go to Walmart all the time and I see those superstars figures and they look awesome. Yeah, I agree. I mean the 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 uh. What were these? Kenner? Is that the one who did the wrestling superstar ones? Um, the AWA superstars? No, no, no. These, the one, the, the ones from like the, like the 2000s with the oh. big WF logo and the classic superstars. Oh, Jax. Jax. Okay. Yeah, these are pretty sweet. Um, yeah, I have, uh, I have, I'm looking at my wall cause I got a bunch of them hanging. I have Arn and Tully combo. I have Arn alone. I have uh, Flair. I have the Freebirds. And I have a Hall of Fame pack of the Horsemen. I think I have an Eddie Guerrero floating around here somewhere, too. But I do have my Hollywood Blondes. I'm proud of the, that set. Because that was very rare. It was tough to find. I'm trying to remember where I found it. Walmart, maybe? So, of course, the, the joke here, everyone, for those that may not know, is obviously when Kurt Hennig and Terry Taylor both came to the WWF at the same time in 1988, one was going to get the Mr. Perfect gimmick. Obviously, the right guy got it, and poor Terry Taylor was stuck with this, and he'd be gone within probably six months. I mean, why don't they just make Terry... I mean, this is, I feel like it's a rib, Greg, because why don't you just make Terry Taylor Terry Taylor? Why'd you have to give him a fucking red mohawk like i don't understand why the red rooster had to be something in the first place well it's vince he probably thought everybody needs a gimmick yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous this is one of the shorter matches on the card how long is this match this match is only 321 the dusty match was 936 although if you really watch it it feels like uh 15 30 it feels like 40 minutes and 36 seconds oh yeah Oh, yeah, Tim White's our referee for this match. Oh, here we go. And there it is, the perfect plex, which is uh, a tremendous move. Raise his hand, Timmy. There you go. There you go. Tim White, of course, at the time, not only a referee, but uh, Andre's handler, Andre the Giant. We'll see him a little bit later on. Hot crowd at the Meadowlands. 
Well, this is probably the most anyone would have to cheer about the Meadowlands for like a while, considering the Devils and the Nets were not really that good at this time. Yeah, well, the Devils, what happened was the Devils made that run the year before the East Finals. They lost the Bruins. Is that the have another donut year? Yes, that was that was when Jim Schoenfeld told Don Koharski, go eat another donut, you fat pig. And then he, got, then he got suspended for a game for saying that, which I thought was pretty uh, awesome. Uh, Survivor uh, Series, November 23rd. Yep, in Chicago. Um, uh, I saw one of those, just a random thought here, that, that lit up WWF logo. I saw one of those up close when I visited a, one of the warehouses in Stanford. Oh, I see they edited it. I wish they didn't. Yeah, of course they oh, edited it. Yeah. Oh, Should have left it in here. You could have bleeped it. Of course, this is the what we're talking about, folks, is the infamous moment when that SummerSlam sign fell and uh, and Mean Gene yelled out, fuck it. And then we came back, uh, which is pretty great. Um, and this is probably why they taped the uh, <laughs> these segments beforehand from this point forward. I'm sure Vince said that these don't need to be live, pal. Um, pretty great. 89 was like prime. Uh, I would say 89 was prime Bobby. I mean, Bobby was always prime because it's Bobby. He's the greatest ever. But he, this was like when he was at his best. He had two champions. Um, he had the Bobby Heenan show on uh, primetime. He did with the Rosati sisters. And he'd be Jameson. like, yep, Jameson. He, and the Rosati sister in the back, the lights be on. He'd go, oh, why do I smell bacon? Oh, that's right, because the lights are on. <laughs> Oh God! Me and me and me and um, me and Damato have to do a uh, a live watch of all the Bobby Heenan shows because oh, so good. Uh, just because he loves making fun of the Rosatis. Um, now here's another match that this one's a little more unheralded than uh than the other two that are great on this show, but this is probably probably one of the best six man tag matches in the company's history. Uh, obviously unheralded, but you had six like legit, like absolutely bona fide legit workers in this match. We're talking of course about, as you see in the ring, if you're watching with us, Rick Martell, who had just freshly turned heel at SummerSlam at uh, WrestleMania five, when he called Tito, he's <laughs> a mooser and uh, the Ragu sisters. And of course, uh, the awesome team of uh, Jacques and Ramon, the Rougeos. So we had three French Canadians against uh, Tito Santana and, of course, the Rockers, Sean and Marty. So you had two, you had six, like, legit bona fide workers in this match. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'd be remiss not to mention Rick Mortel at this time being managed by Slick. Yes. And yes. If you get a chance, if you after you're done listening to this on your podcast player, Go on YouTube and search Rick Bartell Dance Party by Peter Winston. <laughs> it is the greatest thing ever <laughs> of Rick Bartell's time of Slick where they both danced. That's awesome. Great beat. So this is the... I think this is... Is this the second longest? Uh, this is the uh, fourth longest... Match uh, on the card. This match is fourteen fifty eight. 
So we will be enjoying. Uh, we'll be enjoying this one. <laughs> Did you notice Jock patted uh, Rick on the ass? Yes. I'm still pissed to this day. We never got like a Mortel Santana singles match on pay per view. I know. We're just talking. I was just thinking about that. Of course, um, they had uh, both of them kind of got a final match in different circumstances when they had the '89 King of the Ring tournament in Providence that summer or fall. Uh, Tito beat Rick in I think the semis, but then Tito lost to Rick on an episode of uh, Saturday Night's Main Event. So they each kind of got their ups, and then they just kind of went their separate ways. But you're right. We needed, like, a a good, legit Rick Tito pay-per-view match. I feel like he turned... I feel like it could have been here, and maybe you do... I mean, I know they were trying to tighten the card up. What do you think of that? Would you have... Um, I know this match is great, and I hate getting rid of it off the card, but would you have made Rockers Rougeau's separate and give Tito and... Rick, its own stage here. Yeah, I I would have done that. Yeah. Okay. And then do this match on a Saturday night's main event. I don't know yeah. if you would have got fifteen minutes because that's a long. Uh, well, no, you probably could have. You could have done a com- put a commercial break in between. Yeah. Yeah, put a break in between. Maybe make it the last ma- the second to last match. Well, usually the last match was the crap because most people were in bed by then and it was past the curfew. I would have made this like maybe the third the second to last match. I love Jimmy Hart and Slick working together. It's pretty great. Did uh did Jimmy change his jacket? I'm trying to remember, did he wear the jacket with the fleur de lis in the uh No No, the, I no, I don't think he did in the, the uh hockey, hockey match. He no. Yeah. Incidentally, speaking of the Meadowlands, just thought of this. This will be the last pay-per-view. In the state of New Jersey for eight years. Yeah, that's because they uh, the tax, right? Right. They they did not want to break kayfabe, so they did not want to pay the tax of being a sports entity because Vince did not want to actually say that you know. And then eight years later, SummerSlam 1997, uh, Taker and beloved Governor Christy Todd Whitman. Um, they did like a ceremony and they pretty much acknowledged that it was fake. So, so, and then from that point on, we've been in Jersey many times for many different shows, but yeah, this would be the last pay-per-view. I don't know about house show. I don't know if that counts. I can't imagine them not being in Jersey for a house they, show. For eight I years. remember on superstars, them advertising house shows at the metal lands in the nineties. So, okay. Maybe it was just a televised thing. That makes sense. Maybe it was a televised thing. I know. Um, I know. WCW did a house show in '91 uh, at the Meadowlands. That's when uh, the house show where Flair beat Sting for the title. Gotcha. I wonder if uh, let's take a look. Let's go back to Graham and see Graham and Landy in the history of WWE.com. And I think there's a there. I think there's a tab for arenas so let, let's take a look while we're watching this exceptional match incidentally uh dave uh dave gave this three and a quarter this match 
Uh, all right, Meadowlands, Continental Airlines. All right, so 1989 was obviously the last. Let me see if this was the total. No, definitely not. Definitely not. After SummerSlam, they didn't have a ton of shows. Because before this, the last show there was uh, a house show on May 8th. But it was an, it was an M- you know what? Aha. So, and, and JR and I talked about this on the Place B podcast. So if you remember, Greg, uh, 89, 90, 91, MSG got renovated. Uh, it's when they added all the in, the pink and blue seats that you remember in the 90s during the Rangers and Knicks playoff runs. Uh, so May 8th, 89, they did a, uh, they did a house show there. It, it was televised on the MSG networks. I'm wondering if it was a moved house show and, and they, you know, they got a dispensation or whatever. Um, there's a Brett Valentine 20 minute draw. Oh, that had to be pretty good. Um, main event of that show was demolition against the Twin Towers by DQ for in the for the title. So uh, Martel and Tito actually wrestled on that show. Martel won in three minutes. I'm sure the match wasn't great. So after this show, is only one other show in '89. They go back for a house show, a matinee in November. Now let's go to the '90s and see if they did. Let's see. Uh, no, they did, they did do house shows. There's house shows all through 90. Um, yeah, so it must have been just, uh, it must have been just televised stuff that they needed the, uh, the tax because they, they were there for house shows. Oh, interesting. So it says here. Oh, so, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. My bad. I wasn't looking at this close enough. So. WWF used, listen to this. WWF used the Meadowlands. This is just this. I mean, not to discount this match. We're in the kind of the heat segment here. They're holding off Tito. Uh, while uh, Jacques and is holding him in, and then they're beating the snot out of him. So in 1990, WWF did house show in March, April, June, July, and uh, August, October, and December. So they were there. 1991. You had mentioned 1991, uh, Greg. WCW did multiple pay per views at the Meadowlands. Jul- July, uh, January 11th. House shows, you mean? I mean, house shows. I'm sorry, house shows. Uh, January 11th, in a snowstorm, was the show where Flair beat Sting to win the belt. And I believe LT was at that show in Flair's Corner, I think, during the giant Super Bowl run. Oh, right. Yes. They all WCW also came back in April, and then in July... It was the start of the, quote, Great American Bash Tour, and that was the announcement that Flair had been stripped of the belt. So, obviously, at this point, Flair had left. They were there two nights after the the uh, after SummerSlam at the Garden. They had a canceled show in October, and then they had a show in December. WWF did not go back to the Meadowlands after the end of 90 until July 11th, 1992, and it says... 
The return to the arena after nearly 18 months, the WWF stopped using the arena over protest of the Meadowlands, allowing WCW to use it. Hmm. Interesting uh, web we weave there. Uh, you know what I love about the captioning? Of course, I have the caption out because I have the volume down. Um, the captioning actually says Chico when Jesse says it, which I think is pretty funny. Oh, amazing. The Peacock captioning actually did something right. Yes. The Peacock oh, captioning is pretty awful. The pe- Peacock captioning is terrible. Yeah, it is. So, looks like WCW didn't come back. WWF did a show in... So, they did house shows throughout the 90s. October, and then 93, they did January, May, and December. So, they did three shows in 93. They were there in July, August, and October of 94. They were there in July, January, July, and November of 95. They were there in February, um, July of 96. And then they did a house show in February of 97. SummerSlam, uh, SummerSlam 97. So the tax thing must have involved televised events. Because they did go to the Meadowlands in the 90s from between this show and SummerSlam 97. But they would not go back to pay-per-view after this show until SummerSlam 1997. So it must have been a televised thing as, with the whole taxes thing for the commission. They probably didn't give a crap about house shows. That's my take. Because there had to be a reason, obviously, why WWF did shows in this building between those years, but not nothing televised. Do you have any Martell figures, Greg? Um, I never had any Martell figures. Funny enough, like, the one Martell figure that I wanted to own, but I didn't get. Like, a couple of years ago, I was, like, at, like, uh, one of those, like, um, what do you call them? Like, antique shops or whatever. Mm-hmm. They had a bunch of EWA figures, and there was an EWA Rick Martell figure. Oh. I, I did not get it. And to this oh. day, I kick myself not getting it. I had I had a couple of those old school AWA sets. Uh, one was Martell. So this was a while ago because he was he was AWA champion. So it was somewhere between, you know, 84 and 85 because he came with a belt. Um, I think it was him and. I want to say Baron Von Raschke. <laughs> I think my mom got me a Baron Von Raschke AWA figure at like a flea market in the 90s. Yeah. Because she knew I collected wrestling figures. So That's funny. Yeah, I want to say that it was a two-pack that came out in like early to mid. Before Tito lost. Oh, Tito. Before um, Rick lost the belt to Stan Hansen. Because uh, he, he had the belt with it. And it was... Um, I think it was him and Baron Von Raschke with some AWA two pack. They were their, their figures were okay. AWA when they when they actually you know when Vern wasn't such a cheap fuck and he put money into stuff. Um, AWA had some decent merch when they wanted to actually care. Oh yeah. Um, they had their own VHS tapes. Yep. From uh, kids' classic. Yeah. Yep. You know.
Oh, miscommunication. Uh. Obviously, the Nets, uh, Greg mentioned the Nets, they had moved to Jersey by this point. I think 84 they moved to Jersey because they were playing. Might have been earlier, but. Yeah, I think they played a couple of years at Rutgers, I think. Yeah, of course, they used to play at the old. When they were in the AWA, listen to me. When they were in the AWA, when they were when they were in the ABA, uh, they played at out on Long Island when Dr. J was there in the seventies. When they went to uh, the end, when they absorbed the AWA, keep saying AWA, ABA, the ABA. Jerry Blackwell did not play for the Nets. Um, they were in New York for a little bit longer, and I would say probably 80, 84, I think they moved to Jersey. No, it has to be like like late seventies, early eighties. They were in Jersey by eighty four. I know that. Yeah, let me let's take a look. New nineteen eighty three, eighty four. New Jersey. That's okay. So they were in Jersey in eighty four. They were there in eighty three. They were there in 82. Okay, so good call, Mr. Deaner. So 78, 7, oh, geez. Wow. So 77, 7, oh, my God. So they moved a while ago. So 76, 77 was the last year they played out in Nassau. So starting in 77, 78 is when they moved to Jersey. And like you said, they played at Rutgers until the rack, of course, as everyone around here calls it. They were at the rack until oh. 80, 81, 82. Okay. Oh. Oh, messy pin. There you go. Two. I was stunned <laughs> when they won. Um. I would have sworn that when I remember watching this live, I thought one of the Rockers was going to pin one of the Quebecers for the baby faces to win. But but I guess freshly minted heel Martel needed to kind of get a big rub. Yeah. That's my take. All right. All right. Here we go. Backstory. Oh, so good. I love this feud so much. The bulwark. There you go, Monsoon. There's the winner. Oh, when's the warrior going to spit? There it is. I love that. There you go, Monsoon. There's your winner right there. Oh, this is my favorite Heenan move ever. Yep. It was his first belt. He had finally won a title. I think people were more happy that Bobby won a belt than Warrior lose than people thought Warrior losing. And then this feud over the summer, Greg, was so well done. You want to talk about a feud that totally utilized the, the Cindy's. They crossed over superstars, challenge, all American. Every I felt like every Cindy that summer did something about this feud. Like, the, the main event feud was on, you know, Science main event, and, you know, occasionally here and there, but 
I felt like Warrior and Rude were on the Cindy's every week between like the middle end of April and this show, the end of yeah. August. They this was one of the best built feuds of that time, in my opinion. Oh, and Danny was was repping that match. Must have been one of his first matches back as a ref. Yes, on the house show circuit, I remember Gorilla constantly saying he was on probation, and then they kind of dumped the storyline altogether. My brother loved Rude. As I've mentioned on many, many shows here on the network throughout the years, my brother was a giant fan of bad guys. My brother hated Hogan. He hated, like, or he hated good guys. He hated when Piper turned face. That pissed him off. He loved Greg Valentine in his prime, 83, 84, 85. My brother loved bad guys. My dad was the big uh, babyface fan. He loved Hogan. He loved Ricky Steamboat. He loved the British Bulldogs. That's why my dad wanted to take, well, I wanted to go, I wanted to go to WrestleMania 2 on uh, closed circuit, but it was because my dad wanted to watch the Bulldogs beat the Dream Team. Um, I always thought she was hot, whoever that was. Oh, yeah. She was a smoke show. Wherever she is now. Yeah. I'm not, yeah do I, I don't want to know what she looks like right now. <laughs> oh. I want to keep where she, I want to keep her vision, the vision of this hot chick. Yeah. Right now. With her denim, with her denim skirt on and no bra. That's even better. This was the feud that solidified. I mean, I think Vince kind of knew he that Warrior was kind of a player anyway, but this feud, in my opinion, totally solidified it that he knew Warrior was a player. Oh yeah, this solidified this year as the him as the number two guy. I love when you know what I love about this camera shot we're seeing right now the last superstars that weekend. I remember watching it that weekend. I was because I was pumped for the show, and I love this camera shot. And Andre just comes out oh. of the dark. So awesome. It, oh my god, Andre just coming out of the darkness. God, it was so great. And the smile he gives. Oh, it's evil. When Andre wanted to be a good heel, damn it, he knew what to do. And he had like no eyes. It was demonic. <laughs> All those this teeth. Here we go, bizarre ass warrior promo. Yep, here we go. <laughs> Consonants and vowels put together. This weak planet. I love. I love. You think the captioning guys probably guys and and ladies probably went. What the fuck am I typing? Because <laughs> I think as as you've obviously looked at the peacock captioning, like they they mess up all the time. So I doubt that someone who knows wrestling who does it. They probably right. look at the warrior and it's like, what the fuck is this? It's re- it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, oh, by the way, nice shot of that Nets old school Nets logo up top. Yes, I love the old Nets logo. Yeah, I think when did they switch the logo? It had to have been around when Derek Coleman joined. I would say probably. Oh God. Um, probably like 
86 probably no maybe? 80 no because we saw the nets logo there the old nets logo so this is the old the old globe oh it was still okay so let me see when Derek coleman Derek Coleman was Derek Coleman graduated in 80. I think he was a rookie that year. Okay, that following this was his senior year coming up because he was he was the first yes. overall pick of the 90 draft. Okay. Hold so on. let's listen to Brood here. We're all you fat out of shape. Look at that guy. Who? Slam sweat hogs. My great line here. Say it, Jesse. <laughs> He's talking to you, Shivani. So, oh, Bobby, so proud. Hit the music. Has there ever been a guy, Greg, who there's not, there's never been many, and even Hulk Hogan can't say this. There has never been a guy who didn't, who never had a bad entrance theme than Rick Rude. No. When he was in AWA and World Class, he used to use Sade's Smooth Operator. He This theme is awesome. And his WCW themes were really good. Yeah. I loved Rude's themes in uh, Ravishing Rude. I loved his themes in WCW. I was, I mean, I love the main event. But I remember my buddy Tom and I, my kid, my buddy T, I was yeah. one, of, one of my best friends as a kid. He loved Warrior. And we were so fucked. This was our main event. We were so over the moon pumped. Oh, this, this was match. the real main event as far as I'm concerned on this show. I agree. Legi- I legitimately agree. I think everybody knew that Hogan and Savage, or Hogan, and War- um, Hogan and Beefcake were going to win. This was, I think, because... Of the fact that, other than Science main event, the only thing you saw, the only thing you saw, um, from Ho- from the Hogan Savage Zeus stuff, was some promos. Uh, you know, they would have the occasional stand up interview on maybe Challenge or something, but I just feel like this feud lived on the Cindy's throughout the summer and every week something live was going on with these two and I feel like not even the main event could say that that's why I think people were so invested in this match because I feel like it was it was uh um it was in our face and we followed it every single week that's just my take that's how I think about it but this is this match right here is why I love this pay per view. Not only for this, the wrestling, but also the commentary. Oh as- yeah, totally. There's a lot of great moments in this match that we'll point out here. Of course, uh, uh. You know Jesse's slamming the ref. It's his boy. It's his boy Joey Morella. So and this match was just booked perfectly. Like Warrior should have dominated the beginning because he was so 
freaking amped up because he wanted his belt back. Of course, if this was WCW, um, Warrior would have gotten disqualified twice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bill Watts would be like, I'm not standing for this crap. Yeah. No more no more padding either. You'll throw him on the concrete. He goes by his own rules. Warrior was probably the one guy, uh, Greg, that Jesse legitimately hated more than oh. Hogan. And there weren't oh, many. Yeah. Oh, you knew he hated him. He... Oh, here we go. Here we go. This should be a disqualification. That's a dis- Where the hell is the referee? He's so angry. He's so angry. It's amazing. Shivani, you could shoot somebody outside the ring? Yes! Uh, you know, you're even dumber than Monsoon. I thought Gorilla was the stupidest guy alive. Oh, so good. So good. This is literally Hall of Fame commentary right here. Hall of Fame commentary. Amazing. Ringside. Oh, there he is. I'll throw him out again. That's that's three times Bill Watts would have disqualified. Three. Yes. Let's do it over under. How many times would Warrior have been disqualified in WCW? Pretty much. It's already we've already got three, and I think there's a couple more. No, oh, probably pitch him out again. Jesse's so angry. I love it. Jesse didn't put up with any bullshit, and I think for a while, I think that's what Vince loved about him. What would you know, Shivani? How often did you wrestle? He's so angry. I love it. I think Vince really loved that about Jesse, and then it got a little too much. But Yeah. But, God, so angry. I gotta say, Warriors get-up here is, like, so awesome here. It is. That's, like, classic. The neon green was, like, classic Warrior. But let me tell you something. Kudos to Rick Rude. He has taken an absolute shit-kicking in the beginning of this match. And he is not hitting those turnbuckles soft. We're talking like uh, when Brett throws himself into the sternum. Whoa. I gotta say, as much as I love Gorilla, I'm glad that he didn't do this show because it was Shivani's lack of being able to get back at Jesse that made the commentary better. Because you know Gorilla would have had something smarter to say that would have ruined the commentary for Jesse. So you're, you're just glad that it was some schlub like Tony that didn't know how to handle it. You know? Because you figured Tony was dealing, you know... In those how in those Halcyon early Crockett WCW days, you know, 85, 86, 87, when Jesse was when um Tony was there, he didn't have any heel announcers. It was always yeah. him and Caudle or him and David Crockett, who's even milk toast Tony is. Oh. 
And I think that you know, kind of what, what I loved about Warriors moves is he always they were just basic like power. Like there was nothing fancy about it, just chucking them all over the place. Yeah. And you know the good thing about uh Jesse with Tony is I think it also helps when uh they both work together in WCW because by yes. then it's like they they have a rapport with each other. Yep, I agree. I totally agree with you. Yep. Now we get the rude uh, heat uh, heat segment, more methodical. I like that Jesse goes back, or was it Tony? I think it was Jesse goes back to the because that that Andre attack was only two days before. It was that Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so well, in TV world, I don't know when that was actually taped. I should probably look it up. In fact, I'm going to do that. Let's see when that actually happened. Uh, let's see. All right. Let me go to show. Um, TV shows. I think they said, I think they said that was superstars. 1989 superstars. Uh, let's see. So it aired, it aired, it aired on the, uh, there's uh, Bobby King's best message. Uh, Oakland nine. Nope, not nine two. Here we go. This was Susan Cherry. No. Oh, here we go. It was. It was in Oakland. It was taped on the eighth of. It was taped on the eighth of of August on the twenty sixth. It aired from the Coliseum in Oakland. Um, the Ultimate Warrior pinned Steve Vega at 115 with the press slam splash combo. After the bout, Warrior attempted to carry Vega backstage, but was confronted by Bobby Heenan. As Warrior was distracted by Heenan, Andre the Giant came up from behind and choked him out. So it was taped on the 8th in Oakland and aired on the 26th, which would have been, yes, two days before, uh, two days before this show. Okay. So. They, yeah, that made sense. They did it a few, few weeks out. So, Rude in the Sleeper. Do you have any good Rude figures? Um, I don't think I have one. I've been spending all my money to, on, lately on baseball cards, to be honest. Uh, there's a baseball card show down the street from my house the other day. I didn't get a chance to go. I actually yeah. went to a baseball card show uh, yesterday on Babylon out in Long Island. They oh, were yeah. selling... Yep. And speaking of eighty nine, they were selling like um two uh one seller was selling like two for five dollar packs of nineteen eighty nine pro sets. So Oh nice. I got like six packs, so who knows? I'm saving them for like a future it was a thing on TV live stream because one thing I've been doing is I've been busting 
uh, packets of junk wax. So maybe I have like a Troy Aikman or Deion Sanders rookie in there. Who knows? I love Jesse. He's so he's so smug because when the ref gets wiped out, I love when Jesse goes. And now this went Bobby Heenan is is the big factor. So great. Get up, Joey. Get up, Joey. He's out. And now Rude is... We're trying to get some semblance of something. Uh, When this match concludes, I'll go back to my list and I'll let everyone know where I had this match in my GWWE Top 100. a lot of people give warrior crap like just about his general wrestling acumen but like we always said when he needed to deliver on a big stage oh yeah regardless of what his um repertoire was he always delivered none of his matches were ever really crap believe well none of his important matches let me rephrase that were ever really crap Good selling job by Joey Morella. Then he got hit by a car. <laughs> you you could hear you could hear uh, Bobby telling Morella disqualify him because he slapped you to try to wake you up. That was great. I forgot about that. This was one of my most goddamn it moments of a match when uh, Rude and Bobby's so pumped that Rude had this wherewithal to put his foot on the rope. That was great. The little things, Greg, it's the little things that I think get forgotten now sometimes. The little things. Bobby just literally fist pumping when Rude put his foot on the bottom rope. It was so awesome. I may ask you this later, but I'll ask it now anyway, since we're talking about about it in this match. Again, I, we mentioned earlier that, you know, the, the early summer slams were all our side of the country. Uh, you know, Greg and I live probably 50 minutes apart. Um, obviously, two MSGs here and Philly before, of course, they went to Wembley in 92. Um I feel like if this was in another building in the country, it wouldn't have the same juice. No, yeah, you're right. We Northeasterners, we get it. It's probably the only bad move of the match, whatever the hell Rude was trying to do there. <laughs> it's like a half pile driver, half power bomb. I don't think he really knew what to do. It's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. 
Rude back with the here's his uh his uh I think this is the Jerry Lawler fist drop. We're about to get to the main Yeah. Yep. Oh, is this the uh, uh yeah, I think it's yep. coming up. You, you can see everybody's heads turning. And there he is, the hot rod. And of course, this was during the whole uh, thing when Piper was on primetime. Yes. Yep. So he has beef with Bobby here. Yep. By the way, nice Batman shirt that guy's got there that's clapping. Yes. I noticed that, too. And then <laughs> he's wearing a jock strap. <laughs> I love Roddy's like, yeah. <laughs> Waving bye bye. <laughs> Yeah, like this is the moment you know he's gonna win right here. Yeah, no, it's th- that was it. This Everyone's is on it. This is horrible. <laughs> uh Every- everyone's going nuts. Look at those two old men suit those suits are on pins and needles. <laughs> And we have a new Intercontinental Champion. And, of course, nobody was happy. <laughs> well, no, Bob, Bobby wasn't happy, of course. I had this match at number... Now, I may be overgrading it. I probably am a little bit. But in my top 100 greatest WWE matches of all time, I had this match, Greg, at 19. I... I... I don't think I had it that high, but it's very good. I don't, but if you put that at 19, I wouldn't disagree. It's one, it's probably one of my favorite intercontinental championship matches of all time. Okay. Um, hold on. We got Sean Mooney in the crowd right here. Yes. I wonder how much those seats were. About 1989. Eh, probably get it. Maybe about. But how much would a seat in that row be like? Probably like 20 bucks. Yeah, 25 for pay-per-view. Yeah, maybe 30. Probably not much more than that. I would say the lower you down, you probably doubled it. Front row was probably, let's see, 1989. Should ask Vladimir. He was probably there. Yeah. And we haven't seen Vladimir yet, but I'm, super, I'm sure he's there. I would say front row was probably like 400, 500 probably. It's a bargain compared to today. Oh, Jesus. The shit seats at a WrestleMania are 400. Yeah, hopefully I'll be at the link next year, so. I'd love to see you. i got a big crew coming next year. It's going to yeah. be awesome. Oh, uh, this is how we know we're approaching intermission. 
Yes. It is because, now uh, interview row. Yeah. You youngins wouldn't know this, but back in the day, these pay-per-views would have an intermission. Which is great because we all had to take a leak. <laughs> some of them now, some shows now need an intermission. <laughs> Nobody. Ah, Rod. Of course, Piper had been gone for two years. Um, he had come back. Uh, he had left after... Um, three. Voyager 3. He had come back. He had left to WrestleMania 3. The retirement with Piper... Um, uh, he had beaten Adrian Adonis and then he left did they live and then uh, and now he has uh, he came back at Wrestlemania 5 did the Morton Downey pit was he wrestling between uh, Mania and SummerSlam I don't think so. Okay. You know, I don't think so he, he wrestles again till Survivor Series. Okay. When he's in the uh, Rowdies, Roddy's Rowdies and the Rude Brood. Do I'm going to eat a garage I'm gonna watch more of these matches and I'm gonna uh, get rude <laughs> like we came out with a cup of water a random <laughs> a random plastic cup of water yes ah yes Sean <laughs> Kidd's Sean Kidd's favorite wrestler of all time Ronnie Garvin and his marble mouth. That's going to be so great. Oh, it's going to be hilarious. Oh, my God. It's going to be one of the greatest Ronnie Garvin moments of all time. <laughs> he does not have a manager's license. Somebody get rude in here. Don't you call me former nothing, little man. Unfortunately, this kind of ended Rude's run. Yeah. The Piper feud was okay. And then he vanished, and then Rude would vanish. I think he got hurt. He'd come back at WrestleMania 6 with short hair. He'd beat Snooka. And then they'd redo this feud a year later. For the world title in a cage and of course it didn't have the same sauce and then by the end of the year Rude was gone Rude started making fun of boss man's mother yeah <laughs> and, then they, and then they passed that feud off to the rest of the family but uh um and then Rude would debut in WCW at uh Halloween Havoc 91 this is a WCW Halloween Phantom 
The Phantom. Restart the match. <laughs> Now, I wonder if they're going to cut out. I haven't watched this in a while. I wonder if they're going to cut out the actual time when, well, probably not. This is when the intermission would have happened. Right. Tony actually says, they do like a, they do it right here. <laughs> oh, he does say yeah. Okay. Do we get the five minutes or are they going to cut it? I think they're going to cut it. Yeah, they cut it. That would have been great if they just left the five minutes in there. That would have been awesome. <laughs> we could have just five minutes we, of We could have just vamped about uh, more figures for five minutes. <laughs> I got the 89-90 Nets roster in a moment, so when we get to the next match, I'll go over it. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. See what the, we'll also see what the Devils did after that year, because 88, 87, 88 was when they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they go through some lean years before uh, Marty. Uh, Marty comes this, in. This happened uh, two days after my fifth birthday. Move me! This happened four days before my 16th birthday. Oh. Move me! I'd love seeing Zeus. I love... Have you seen the uh, Mattel 2-pack they have of uh, Hogan and Zeus? With no Holds Uh, Yeah, yes, I did. That's modeled after the No Holds Board VHS tape. Yes. That's the greatest 2-pack ever. Yeah, it's pretty great. Speaking of... Vi- I thought of you um, while we're watching the, the, the recap of... I mean, yeah, now I want to preface. I know I was saying it before. This feud was on the Cindy's. I'm not saying we didn't see it. I just felt like Warrior Rude was more consistent, you know? Yeah. But anyway, uh, Zeus was just so awesome. Um, I thought of you SummerSlam weekend when I was in Detroit. I uh, I was at the Superstore, and I meant, to, I, was, I meant to take a picture of it for you, and I forgot. Maybe I have it on my phone. Um, they always have, like, one really cool figure. Um. And they had an Andre, I don't know if you have any Andre figures, but they had an Andre figure, but it was his WrestleMania 2 banana yellow tights. Oh, yeah. Um, You never see that. You always see him in the heel singlet. And I'm like, man, I should have got it. I second guess my, I always second guess myself on those trips and I always screw up and don't get what I want. I think one of the the companies that makes the Hasbro style figures is making uh, Andre in that style. But yeah, it's the, uh, um, yeah, it was exactly the, um, the, the WrestleMania two yellow tights and boots, which I thought was great. Cause again, I think feel like that little era there gets forgotten. They usually, whenever you see an Andre, uh, he's usually in the old blue tights that he would wear throughout the eighties or the, um, obviously or the, the, you know, the black singlet. I just love Zeus standing there. 
I know. Oh! My brother was always, my older brother was always. He texted me once when I showed him the Hogan Zeus two pack, and he's like, "Zeus always freaks me the f out because of his uh, the eye he has, the lazy eye." <laughs> yeah. My, one of my favorite uh, Jesse moments is in a few minutes. This is obviously from Science Main Event where they're beating the snot out of each other. Hogan, uh, he sold me. Oh, Hogan, I'm surprised Hogan even even alluded to this. I only have four hairs. Don't cut them. Was he going to do an art ancient? Was he going to do a Sid stabbing incident four years (laughs) early? Yeah, right. This is my favorite uh, Jesse moment. He is so thrilled right here. When Je- he couldn't drop him. Zeus is smiling at him. I love that. Look at the fear in Hogan's face. Oh, God, that was so great. Oh, Jesse, Jesse fucking made these feuds in 89. He absolutely made these feuds. Zeus oh, is smiling at him. What the hell you think you're gonna do with that, Brutus? <laughs> you're a mid Carter. <laughs> oh, yes, that build was solid, but again, it was mostly on like the big stuff, Sarin's main events. Oh, here we go. Now, here's where, as we mentioned, uh, tag team matchup, six of the biggest human beings on walking the face of this earth. Um, And this is where I've said, where a lot of people have said that this show is, if there is a flaw to this, to me, otherwise perfect show, is that the... uh, the um uh the, the six band right here yeah that the the card's a little imbalanced because the matches from here to the main event in terms of quality definitely drop off considerably and that's because you had all of the the work rate junkies on the first half and then you had all the freaking hosses on the back half so maybe in psychology and like superstar status the matches were just as good but in ring you there was a precipitous drop so yeah. i've always contended i think jr and i both said this on the on, when we did this vault that these the two six mans should have flip-flopped yeah i would have put this one where the rockers tito one was and put that one here and i think you would have had a little bit better balance yeah 
All right, we got a big we got a big moment coming up right here. Oh God. <laughs> he looks like Jason. Yeah, God. Good lord. This is ludicrous. You know what's ludicrous? It's God. Yes. This <laughs> That is terrible. <laughs> I'm surprised that was not cut out, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm totally surprised that was not edited out. Could you imagine like twenty years later the kid who's like who made that sign goes on the internet one day and sees that? And he's freaking he's, you know, threatened. <laughs> oh god. That's crazy. Well, hell only four years later was the first bomb. In the basement in '93, but not, not obviously not to the level of what we what would happen later. Yeah, um, that is pretty funny though. Ah, uh, it's a great line by Jesse. How disrespectful to the flag! I agree with you, Jesse, a hundred percent. No doubt. Ugh. They should pass an amendment to the Constitution just to keep just to keep things like this from not happening. Jesse was ahead of his time. He was. <laughs> oh God, so great. We never would have had January sixth if we listened to Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um. So we're talking about 1989 and, and an amazing year of wrestling. Uh, to give everyone an idea, uh, on my GWCW list, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the I said I had what ten matches from 1989. Uh, you and I, uh, Greg, watched five of those. Of course, three of them were the same two guys. Um, back on February 20th of 89 was, of course, Chi Town Rumble, a show you and I watched. Um, I had uh, Midnight Express versus Midnight Express. I had Barry Windham and Lex Luger. And I had, of course, Flair and Steamboat. Uh, May 18th, 89, I had Steamboat Flair on a house show from the Cap Center, which is also a match that Dave Meltzer graded. I have, of course, Steamboat Flair from Clash 6, same night as WrestleMania 5, my favorite Flair-Steamboat match, and actually my favorite WCW match of all time. I have, of course, Wrestle War, another show you and I did. Uh, Steamboat Flare. I have Funk and Steamboat from the June 14th Clash of the Champions. I have Flare Funk from the Great American Bash. I have Sting Muda from the Great American Bash. And I have the Road Warriors, the Midnight Express, and Dr. Death versus the Freebirds and the uh, Samoan SWAT team uh, in War Games from Bash 89. So I have three matches from Chiton Rumble and three matches from Bash 89. I have Flair and Funk from The Clash, the New York Knockout, in November. And I had Sting and Muda from Starcade. So I had 10 matches from 1989 uh, on my GWCW list. And, of course, I had five matches from... So that's, how, that's just my proof for me that 1989 is one of the greatest years in wrestling, in the history of wrestling, in just terms of good television... Yeah. Great matches, great guy. All the right guys were in the right places in terms of companies. 
Uh, obviously, AWA was on its last legs. I think at this point, World Class had already become USWA. Um, trying to think. That's probably about it, really. AWA was still around. but Yeah, AWA was barely breathing at this point. They'd be gone by, what, the beginning of 91, I think? Mid-90. Mid-90. Team Challenge Series. Oh, God. Poor Jake the Milkman Milliman. Um, do you have a Jake Milliman uh, figure? Gra- no, you don't. Oh, I wish they made one. I'd buy it. <laughs> Zombie Sailor, get on it. Uh, basketball. All right, so I'm on basketball reference. I got the 89-90 Nets lineup. Yes. Now, the Nets were 17-65 and 65 that year. Oof. Bill Fitch was the coach. Oh, God. Um, here, here's some of the notable players on, on the uh, lineup. You have the rookie Mookie Blaylock. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sam player. Bowie was on the team at this point. Oh, he was already a cripple. <laughs> oh. uh, Rick Carlisle was on the roster. Oh, probably the end of his career. Yeah. Um, Chris Dudley was there. Oh, geez. Mr. Oh. Brick. They had a rookie Anthony Mason on this lineup. So when did he go to the Knicks at this point? His rookie year played a year in Denver in ninety ninety one and then he went to the Knicks in uh the ninety one ninety two season. Oh, okay. I don't even remember him on the Nets. I don't either. I thought he was a rookie. I thought the Knicks drafted him. And um, I don't know anybody else on this roster. So there's a reason why they finished dead last and got Derek Coleman in the lottery. So and then, uh, yeah, the next year they reverted to the uh, the the logo we talked about with the, just the basketball with nets up top. Right. Was Kenny Anderson there in 1991? No, he wasn't. No, he was a he he was drafted in 90 because he was on the he was on oh, that 90 we, final four team at oh, Georgia. Lethal Tech. Weapon Three, yeah, yeah. It was it was Kenny Anderson, Brian Oliver, and Dennis Scott. What happened to Brian Oliver? Dennis Scott went to uh, Magic. Yeah, he went to Orlando, and Kenny got drafted by the Nets. He ended up playing for the Celtics. Kenny Anderson was a good player. It's good guard. Oh, yeah. I have a Kenny. I have a Kenny Anderson autographed uh, Fleer card from 93. I got it. Uh, Nobody beats the Wiz. Wow. I love that yeah. store. Yeah. Nothing beats some of those awesome. This is a pretty good power by Smash, though. Too. Oh, yeah. Slam Andre and fucking uh, Akeem. And to Andre's credit, he worked in this match, but you know that he was fucking hurting. Oh, yeah. Man, there is a ton of beef in that fucking ring. I mean, there is a lot of beef. Bossman had, boss hadn't really slimmed yet, so. But there is some definite beef in that ring. Woof. Over a thousand pounds, I know that. These guys are working. I will say that. These big fucking yeah, hosts are moving around. This is a lot better than I remember it. Yeah, I I, I I, always remember that at least they moved around and they these guys hustled. Oh, man, Jesse's going to lose his shit now. <laughs> I lost my fucking shit. I was so pissed. 
Oh my god, I was so fucking pissed. Because I because I used to say as a kid, Jim Duggan, some and this is when Gorilla used to sometimes make no fucking sense. He never questioned when when um when Jim Duggan cheated with a foreign object to win matches, only when the heels did. And if the heels did it to him in the same match, it would still be like it was just egregious. Sometimes trying to shove the baby face thinking down someone down your throat is just unworkable. Sometimes. This jabroni ref. I've no idea who that is. Wow. I have no idea who that guy is. No. So that match, like I said, that was a quickie. That was only uh, 723. The Warrior match was 1602. That's the second longest match of the night. We get some quickies coming up here. Once again, Survivor Series, November 23rd. Yep. Still Thanksgiving night. That one was at Old Rosemont. Of course, the following year, 1990, uh, Survivor Series would be right in my backyard at the Hartford Civic Center. My brother went, actually. I didn't go. My brother went. Uh, what did he think of the gobbledygooker? I want to know. My brother was like, was, and I'm I'm pretty sure the gobbledygooker was after Taker debuted. Yeah. Yeah. He thought it was ridiculous, but he told me that regardless of what happened the rest of the night on that show, people just couldn't get over Taker. Like, oh, yeah. He would see. The, yeah, you see it in the crowd, like. It was just, you know, it was crazy. My first pay-per-view would not be for another decade. In that building, though, I went to No Way Out 2000. That was my first pay-per-view. Oh, so you got to see uh, Cactus and Hunter. I did get to see Hunter retire Cactus, and boy, did I get some serious heel heat for that. Oh, my God. I had my Not For The Innocent shirt. I I was cheering when he lost. I had crap thrown at me. It was awesome. Um, (laughs) Um... so it was November 1st that Tully would get fired for failing the drug test. Um, oh, hold on. We got a special guest. Oh, boy. Who is it? Oh, yes. It's this guy. That's right, because remember, he's retired. He was banned from refereeing and banned from wrestling. And now he's going to be a ring announcer. Ooh, one fall. He's reading cue cards. (laughs) Coming down the aisle, weighing 275 pounds, the mighty Hercules. This this is amazing. This is going to be so great. Oh, this is going to be so great. This is going to be like the ultimate FU coming up right here. Oh, fucking marble-mouthed. His so-called opponent. (laughs) That little pipsqueak. Poor excuse of a manager. (laughs) And Valentine looks so pissed. When he walks out, it looks like legit heat. Like, he looks so fucking angry. 
who claims he's from Seattle, Washington. To me, he looks like he's overweight by about 30 pounds. <laughs> Little Jimmy can't give him any. <laughs> this is ridiculous. With two left feet. <laughs> There's a road with cheap rhinestones. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was so great. He didn't know whether he was coming or going. <laughs> oh, God. That was the greatest marble mouth nonsense in the history of ring announcing. <laughs> oh, God. That was so great. And, of course, I tell you something. Everyone he knows about them, you know, he would get reinstated. And these two would actually have a pretty good, um, a pretty good submission match at the 90 Rumble. But... Uh, I, I can't remember the month, Greg, off the top of my head, but Valentine and Ronnie Garvin would have a great house show match at the Garden. want to say October. I have to look at JR's and my grades. I think it was October. They had a banger of a match at uh, at the Garden. It went like 20. It was it went like 19 minutes. I don't think it was a draw. I'm going to look. I'm going to see. But they had a banger of a match because the match at the 90 Rumble is good. I think it's very good, actually. But they have a match at uh, at the Garden. I want to say it was it was October of '89, so a couple months after this. That's really good. If you could find it, I don't think it's on. Might be on P on Peacock. Maybe that house show might be on Peacock. I don't know. But. Let me take a look. This this match itself is not much at all. <laughs> it was really all about the ring announcing. This match is crap. But <laughs> let's see. Let me go to. Let me go to eighty nine. Because I know Jr. and I both graded it like four stars. Let's see. Uh, go to October. Was it September? It was September. September 89 MSG House Show. Uh, the two of them put on a match that JR and I both had at four stars. They had great in-ring chemistry. They both worked, you know, they obviously both worked very snug, so they didn't mind throwing some uh, little potato salad there. My brother loved Greg Valentine. I met him uh, at a show, an indie show up in Massachusetts. Oh, Jesus. It's got to be almost 15. Oh, no, maybe it wasn't that long. It was probably at least, yeah, what is it, 2023? No, maybe it was 15 years. 2000, 
what would that be, 2008, 2009, something like that. Uh, Justin's friend, Sean, oh, there's the roll-up. Oh. Funny Carvin's like, the actual winner of the match, Hercules. <laughs> yes. He changes the fucking, he changes the fucking result. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Ronnie Carvin just picks his own guy. So okay. And Tim White's like, no, that's not how you do it. That that was misun that that was misunderstood of the match by disqualification, the mighty Hercules. Valentine freaking clocked him too. Oh. Valentine sold it too. Oof, he got decked by the hand of stone. All right, yeah, so if you could find it, if you could find it, everybody who's listening, if you could find it, November, uh, September 89, MSG House Show, uh, Greg Valentine and Ronnie Garvin put on a banger. Four stars, JR and I gave it. Okay. Um, better than the 90 Rumble. What do we give that match? Uh, let's see. Uh, Rumble 90. Um, I gave it three. Justin gave it three and a half. So it's slow. It's, it's it's still a great match, but it's a little less than the match they had at the Garden about four months before. They do this. They do this slow mo, and and Garvin like literally like he pokes him. Boom! Right in the, right in the temple. All right, so what was the, you were going to say about the hammer or the F finish? Oh, so um, so at this indie show, it was Justin's, JR's buddy John Walters was wrestling. So it was a bunch of other guys. And in, in the back of the gym, it was like like the Malden Town Hall or something up upstate, up in Massachusetts. And Valentine wrestled, actually. And in the back was a bunch of, like, vendors, and they were selling stuff. And these guys had, like, burnt... It was pre-WWE Network, so it was, like, burned versions of, like, seasons of superstars and challenge and shit. It was all this cool stuff. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, you know, thumbing through the, the, the DVDs. And Greg Valentine walks up next to me and starts looking through DVDs. And I'm like, holy shit, Greg Valentine's next to me. Um... I said, Hammer, I just, you know, I shook his hand. I said, listen, I'm a big fan. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bother you. I said, I'm a big fan of yours. And I just want to let you know, it's a pleasure to meet you. And I, you know, I've loved your career. And he goes, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. He goes, my brother was a huge fan of yours. Um, he loved when you smashed up that, the two great things he said. He, he, he loved when you smashed up the Intercontinental title after you lost to Tito in Baltimore. And, and Greg goes, yeah, that belt was a piece of shit. They told me to destroy it. <laughs> And then the second thing, he says, but my favorite thing my brother loved is my brother. I said, I had all the wrestling pictures on my wall, the, you know, the snippets from Pro Wrestling Illustrated and stuff. My brother had one, I told him. And it was you wearing the T-shirt that said, I broke Wahoo's leg. And my brother and Greg Valentine looks at me and goes, damn right I did. 
<laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's awesome? This crazy ass promo. Oh, this promo is ridiculous. This is about as. They, they were all drinking the Ultimate Warrior juice because I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. They really went like through the freaking bat shit on this one. They all did an eight ball of cocaine before this promo. Oh, totally. Oh, totally. There were definitely lines being cut up in the uh, metal lamps. Well, that's right. A bunch of nets probably did at that time, too. So. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so you mentioned the nets. So I got the devils right here, too. So. Oh, you do? Okay. Uh, you, you can go ahead and mention if you have that. Well, the, the Devils, well, as I mentioned, the Devils, two years earlier, had won the, uh, had had gone to the Eastern Finals, lost to the Bruins. It was a big, big stretch. Um, they were not good in 88-89. Uh, they finished in fifth uh, in the Patrick. Uh, only the Islanders were worse. Um, the Caps won the division. Uh, but this season, 89-90, uh, they rebounded. They actually won. They actually finished with 83 points, two points behind the Rangers. Um, uh, they were knocked out in the first round by the uh, Caps. Uh, my Bruins that year finished with the best record and then got smoked by the fucking Oilers in the finals. Uh, John McClain led in goals with 41. Kirk Muller, who was a great player, um, Led in assists and points. Ken Danico in penalty minutes. No shock there. Uh, they were still doing, uh, uh, like, platoon goaltending. Because Sean Burke led in wins. But Chris Terreri had the best goals against at 3.42. They would do that for the next couple of years. And then, of course, 93-94, uh, Marty Brodeur would be brought up. And, of course, he would end up being the best goalie this generation. So... So the Devils were getting so this coming season, 89-90, the Devils would get a little bit better in the building. Um and uh and would make the playoffs. So the Nets, the Nets probably wouldn't be good until Oh Jesus, would it be till Jason Kidd got there? I would guess well, no, they made the playoffs in the late nineties. Yeah, they made a couple times with Derek Coleman. Um, yeah, because uh, one year they get they, one year they got laid out by the Bulls in the first round. I think they got swept. It wasn't pretty. Speaking of not pretty, this uh, yeah, this uh, DiBiase snooker match is definitely yeah. not pretty. Uh, yeah, it w- for the Nets, it wasn't until Jason Kidd got there that they really became a good team. Yeah, like that o one o two team was like amazing to watch because I think they had like Richard Jefferson, they had, uh, Van Horn, they had um, VC. They had no, uh, no, the quarter wouldn't be there till like oh four. Oh really? Oh, I guess you're right. Okay. Yeah. So he did. He didn't play on either of those. Uh... No, neither finals team. Finals teams. Okay. I feel like he did. All right. Yeah, just missed him. Okay. I thought they were going to beat the. I knew they weren't going to beat the Lakers in 02. No. The Lakers uh, after, you know. Oh God. At- after the Kings got jobbed. Oh, you mean after Paige Stoyakovich didn't hit a shot in overtime when they could have won? He really uh, did. Maybe that he may, got have, may not have been influenced by Tim Dunahee. Maybe maybe Tim Dunahee and uh, and uh, Paige Stoyakovich split the money because in overtime in that game seven at Arco, I think uh, Paige threw up uh, like seven air balls. 
So let's not talk about the fact the Lakers had 70, that had 79 free throws in game six, okay? Um, it came down to this. The Kings would not have been a good television finals team. Oh, yeah, Nets-Kings. That would have, in the immortal words of the guy doing play-by-play for this pay-per-view, that would have put butts in the seats. Um, <laughs> it would have been a better um, finals, like, to watch. I mean, like, in history's sake. Well, I mean, competitively, probably. But I, I thought the Nets would have beat the Spurs in 03. Oh, they, they were definitely, I thought they were definitely the better team in 03. Yeah. I feel like the, the Spurs didn't hit their prime till they beat the Pistons in 05, but that's just me. In any event, this match is a, is a disaster, just for anybody's interested. This match is terrible. Speaking of speaking of cutting lines backstage, this guy, def, both of these guys probably were. <laughs> Snooker most likely, te- definitely fucking DiBiase. He was definitely, uh, he was definitely enjoying the candy. Thinking about, thinking about, thinking about who to scam in about number thirty years. I know, I know, it's... right? <laughs> we hope you're enjoying our uh, premiere episode here of Wrestle Tracks here on the PTB Wrestling Network. We'll do this once a month, as you mentioned earlier, and. Uh, uh, coming up, uh, if you're listening to this as it's airing, uh, soon after it dropped, uh, the first week of September, we will put a poll up on uh, the Place to Be Wrestling Network Twitter at PTBN Wrestling. We'll put three shows that took that if, that took place in history in the month of September, and you let us and you vote and let us know what show would you like us to do, um, and we will do it and uh, and we'll do that every month, first week of every month. Uh, Greg and I will put up a poll with three shows that took place in history in the month of whatever, and uh, you let us know. We'll do anything, anything with anything reasonable, and well, we'll 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 decide based on the choices. But we're gonna put things that we can actually watch, whether it's something on a stream or something like that. So we're not gonna put too much stuff that's tough to access. Yeah. I doubt you'll see any New Japan stuff because neither of us have New Japan Pro World. So I do. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe we will then. Okay. I, I have it on the Fire TV, so. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we will. Uh, maybe we will get a uh, a uh, chance for that. But yeah. in any event, uh, we will um, uh, we will do that for September. We'll yeah. pick maybe an Unforgiven. Maybe we'll throw a Fall Brawl in there. Mind know. games. Mind games. We'll try to um we're also going to try to separate eras. So it'll be unlikely that we'll have a show from the 80s. So we don't stay in the same like era month by month. So you know, maybe we'll we'll do three maybe a couple shows from the 90s and a show from the 2000s. You know, something just to separate the 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 era so we're not watching the same you know, era uh, back, yeah. back to back. So that works. So we'll pick We'll pick. We'll 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 hold off another '80s show until maybe you know maybe November. Maybe we'll do a. Well, obviously for November we'll put maybe we'll put three different Survivor series. Yeah. And see what everybody thinks. You know. Yeah. For the big months we'll do like for the big months, yeah. uh, the months of the big four we'll put we'll put three shows of that month. So in January we'll obviously put three Rumbles and you let us know what uh, what you'd like to see, what you'd like us to do. Wonder. If, oh. Bird will probably tell. He's like, probably went on the rope and said, probably pissed that Snooker didn't want to go to Olive Garden or something. <laughs> or damn it, you owe DiBiase money. 
Ugh. This is a perfect spot for this match. <laughs> right before the main event where everybody's taking a shit. <laughs> this, this, this is probably the worst match. This probably match is probably worse than Dusty and, and uh, Honky. Oh, God. This is terrible. This match is awful. Absolutely awful. Oh, thank God. I think it sucks that Snuka couldn't even do the job, for Christ's sakes. I mean, seriously? That's batshit. <clears throat> that was kind of nuts. <laughs> yeah. Wow, he threw himself. DiBiase, obviously... Coming off the feud with uh, 89. He's feuding with Jake. No, he starts the feud with Jake. Uh, he starts the feud with Jake earlier that summer. Jake not at the show. I think he was hurt. Or he was in rehab. One of the two. Um, of course, Jake and DiBiase would feud leading up to the following year. WrestleMania 6 and one of the coolest promos of all time. The, the Jake promo where he says, Wallowing. In the muck of avarice. Oh, it was a great promo. Well, you knew Weird Snooka probably had in his contract. I need at least one Snooka splash, so we'll splash Virgil because DiBiase's like, fuck that shit. <laughs> Excuse me. So, DiBiase is carrying around the million dollar belt. Obviously, he would not treat it like a real belt. <laughs> like, oh, horrible. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Oh, Mooney. Even higher in the fucking boons. You know, I can say this because I've sat in the highest deck at the Meadowlands. Like, the worst seat of the Meadowlands is, like, great. Yeah. Especially, especially considering that I, I'm i used to the Nassau Coliseum with that crappy-ass obstructed view up top. Yep. Ugh. I think that one fan had a Yuri Giants hat. Yes, I thought that's what that was. I think you're right. Wow, how did you get that hat in 1989? I know, right? You would have probably sitting maybe in like, I don't know. Well, I don't know about SI, but maybe like, I don't know, Sporting News? Maybe. Yeah, because you had no internet. Yeah, obviously. I don't think it was on Sports Illustrated. Sometimes even Hogan's promos were mildly ridiculous. Oh, mildly ridiculous, but also amazing. Yes, of course. They're dumb, funny looks. <laughs> <laughs> 
Look at me, Gene's face here. He's like, the fuck did he just say? Ooh. So I call my fans dumb, and Brutus is going to stab Savage. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Savage, I am banging your wife. (laughs) Oh, shit. Ah, oh, great promo. Oh my god, that was awesome. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck uh, Hogan was just saying, but it sounded like he's uh, banging Savage's wife. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, rest in peace, Lanny Poffo. Of course, he passed away this year. Got to give uh, Papo his uh, stage here. <laughs> Elizabeth is absolutely useless. <laughs> Nice job. There we go. The main event. Another thing about this show that I love is that it doesn't feel long. It's going, it goes at a perfectly good pace. Yeah. Doesn't feel like it drags. I just love Zeus's walk with his way he has his arms all out. I know. Oh, rest in peace, Tiny Lister. I don't think he yeah. died this year. Maybe last year. I think it was like I think around twenty twenty or twenty one. I think it was like COVID related too. I believe you are correct. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, yeah, December 10th, 2020. He was only 62. Um, oh, he... It was originally... Okay, so on December 10th, 2020... Police were called to check on Lister, found him dead in his home in Marina del Rey, California. He was 62. The coroner's office investigated his cause of death, which was originally suspected to be complications of COVID. However, the final autopsy report revealed that the cause of death was hypertension and arthrosclerotic, in other words, heart disease. Oh. So, uh, bummer. Um, He was... Nice outfit that kid has. Yeah. He committed more. He he pled guilty to conspiring to commit mortgage fraud in 2012. That sucks. Oh. Oh, man. I wonder if this match is on tape. On July 7th, 1990, Zeus and Abdullah the Butcher wrestled to a double countout yes. at a WWC show in Puerto Rico. Yeah, it is on YouTube. I have seen it. Look at all those foam fingers. I know. I just thought that, too. I had a foam finger. I had a Hogan foam finger. I bought it. Uh, I bought it at an uh, at a Coliseum, New Haven Coliseum house show. 87, I think. I had it for a while. Disintegrated. <laughs> I did have a Hulkamania shirt. I remember when I rebought it, when Hogan came back in 2002. I remember they resold them, and I bought. I owned a. I have a Hulk Rules shirt now that they remade when it was his anniversary or whatever a few years ago. So I do have a Hulk Rules shirt. Was that the uh, 30th anniversary? I think so. Yeah, I think so. When they uh, had that banner at MSG that they took down right away. Yes. Which is such BS. They should have kept it up. I agree. They should keep all the wrestling ones up. They should have kept the Bruno one up. They had. They had a temporary one for the Fink. They should leave all those up. They're part of that building's history as much as those loser Knicks that play the last 20 years. Speaking of this main event, I just want to promote, as we always do here on our on our uh, networks, uh, on the most recent episode, which was which dropped, if you're listening to this the day it's dropped, last week, but it's in our archive, the most recent episode of Through the Looking Glass, myself and Dave Hall, we actually went back to past SummerSlams that didn't have tag team main events and made tag team main events. Because obviously at this point, these first two shows, uh, Greg, um, SummerSlam was like the mega main, the mega tag main event. So Dave and I went through some select years in SummerSlam history where a cool big time tag main event could have would have been cool instead of whatever we had. So um so check that out on our PTB Wrestling Network archive, the most recent episode of Through the Looking Glass. Dave and I did that. I just thought of that as I'm watching this, of course. Uh, for some of our new listeners, uh, Greg, tell them a little bit about uh, you, uh, your amazing show over on the uh, on the pop feed. Oh uh, yeah, it was a thing on TV. Uh, comes out every Wednesday. We release uh, 
two episodes and drop usually a week. And it's usually my co-host, Mike and Chico and me, we discuss some of the uh, obscure uh, events or the in the forgotten shows of television history. And we give them the uh, respect or in some cases, in some shows, the uh, the scorn they deserve. So it's a, a lot of fun times. It's if you listen to our show, it's like there's a lot of recurring bits that you're probably not going to get unless you unless you're familiar with the war of our podcast. So we have like like three years worth of archives on the pop feed. Go listen to that. Good times. And you'll learn something about the history of television. I, I Yes, they're great shows. Great shows. I agree. I think believe this is the first time that Elizabeth uh, was on camera since um, WrestleMania five. And then I think she would not be on camera again until WrestleMania six. And then she took another year off and then she wouldn't come back until WrestleMania seven. And we all know what happened after that, etc. So. um so Elizabeth obviously would be on camera much less frequently until SummerSlam 91 or uh, WrestleMania 7. And then from that point until WrestleMania 8, of course, the storyline with Savage and Flair and everything like that. So a year ago, of course, she ripped off her skirt as uh, as uh, <laughs> earlier in the show. We were talking about uh, the year before SummerSlam when what was a superstar Billy Graham. Yeah. Do you want me to give my impression of that, Scott? Please do. Go ahead. Yes, please do. She took off her dress. She took off her skirt around monsoon. <laughs> How is it not suspicious that uh that uh you know Sherry was there with a purse? I know what reason would she have to bring a purse there? Exactly. We should have all been very fish- very fishy about that. I bet you somewhere Kurt Fuller was very proud of this power display by Zeus right here. Yes. I gotta say, No Holds Barred is <laughs> it's it's a it's one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies. I'm not gonna lie. What's that one? Yeah, No Holds Barred. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, of course, absolutely. And in my opinion, it's like Kurt Fuller makes that movie. I'm sorry. As Brill. It's such a great over-the-top bad guy. Savage wearing black and white or silver and white i guess you could say is one raiders very bland for him usually he never he rarely wore white you don't wear black much either actually maybe it was like his tribute to bo jackson i don't know yeah maybe 89 bo was a stud is that the year of the uh no 87 was the year where he laid out uh 
Bosworth. That was 87. Yeah, and he ran into the tunnel in the kingdom. Ran, yep, in the kingdom and vanished. <laughs> A year later, uh, Beefcake, of course, would suffer that terrible parasailing injury where his face would get smushed to pieces. So he would not be a regular wrestler again until uh, pretty much until he went to WCW. He, uh, you know, he'd have the barber shop and then he'd have the one match with the mask with with Hogan at WrestleMania nine against uh, Money Inc. And that was pretty much it until WC until uh, WCW. As a matter of fact, probably wrong on this, but I don't think Beefcake wrestling between WrestleMania 9 and Starcade 94. Uh, the Mega Maniacs wrestled as uh, on house some house shows against Money Inc. Probably. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, it makes sense. They were on the house show circuit. I did get, like, maybe about two years ago, the um, the Beefcake WrestleMania 9 figure from that Jax 3-pack. Loose. Oh, okay. Mask. What was it, him, Hogan, and Jimmy? Him, Hogan, and Jimmy, that's it. But here's the thing. When I worked at TJ Maxx in the mid-2000s, for some reason they had, like, maybe two or two or three, like, boxes of that set. And I'm kicking myself that I never bought it. That sounds like a badass set. It does. They also had a fabulous Freebirds three pack there for some reason too. I have a I have the uh, the cla- the whatever it was the Jacks or whatever they had the Superstars one. I have that classic set. Michael Hayes, uh, Terry, and uh, and Buddy Jack. It's a pretty cool set. This is the heat segment where Zeus starts squeezing out. Hogan in the in the uh, bear hug. Where's that Yomiuri Giants guy? Oh, that was probably another shot. Where are those dudes in the suits? Um, I don't know. They probably left after the Warrior One. Yeah, they had to get get to bed. I didn't see. Uh, I didn't see Vladimir. No, it's weird. Definitely for, for Jersey. It's not far from where he lives. Maybe he's in the upper deck. I don't know. I can't. uh... (laughs) That trample is. That is funny. Yeah, Hogan took a good uh Hogan took a good beating. So I'm trying I, I thought Vladimir actually had a Wikipedia page, but I guess he doesn't.
But it's weird. He's not. But again, he's an East Coast guy, so I was assuming he uh, he was at the show. But they, they're showing pretty much every front row angle, and I don't think he's there. I will say this for Hogan. I uh, I appreciate him at least giving letting uh, Beefcake be the hot tag. Because rarely does anybody else get that, so. <laughs> Speaking of Vladimir, they were supposed to do a, I don't know why they didn't, I think it was right before the pandemic, uh, the, the super, or I don't know about Peacock or whether it's just WWE Network in general, but they were supposed to do a uh, uh, yeah, do- documentary about him. A documentary called Superfan about about Vladimir. But uh, I feel like it didn't happen. That's a bummer. But I don't see him. I, I, I don't know if he was past the camera, but usually he was on the camera side. He usually would have a a um, tank top on during the... Oh, by the way, Macho hitting him with briefcake with a purse. Yes. And then, and then I love... Uh, I love uh, uh, Tony trying to figure out what's in the briefcase. What if I had regular lady stuff? Somebody check that purse. Come on, Tony. Get out there and check that purse. Yes. The loaded purse. <laughs> Count referee. So I guess they didn't. There is a trailer for it on YouTube for super for for the super fan. The film is locked away in WWE's vaults with the trailer containing the only publicly available footage from it. Nonetheless, he also confirmed Abu Zid had seen the film. That's his last name, Vladimir Abu Zid. Had seen the film at a 2022 at a private screening made by WWE personnel. Abu Zid could not provide any further details on the film's shelving. Dave? 
That's his last name, which I totally forgot about. <laughs> Abu Zid. Is it is it Dave or Earl that's refereeing this match? Probably Earl at this point. Okay. I think Earl was the main ref by this point. Dave was probably in backstage at this point. Yeah, probably putting shirts in the trunk. <laughs> He's actually Haitian. I did not know that. Vladimir? Yeah. Wow. I thought with me, like, Vladimir, he was of Russian descent. Yeah. Oh! Uh. getting to the climax soon we will be will we be getting so i guess hogan would get the eventual actual hot tag but but maybe that's what hogan wanted Good move there by Sherry. That was good timing. This ending is actually kind of crazy because it's not your typical, like, climax finish. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I love Jesse. This could be the end of the match. Yeah, I think so. So two years before Warrior did it, <laughs> Hogan no sold Savage's elbow. Zeus is the legal man. And six years before the reviving elbow. Yes. And the guy in the Batman shirt's on his feet like, yeah! <laughs> Go down to a knee. Yes, he's gonna blow. Place goes nuts. One knee, the place went nuts. That 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 pop when when Elizabeth flips her is amazing. Yeah. Oh. 
I love Hogan trying to like <laughs> sell the weight of the purse. Like, oh, should I do it? He drills him with it too. Oh. <laughs> This was supposed to be our supposed to be our WrestleMania six main event right here. Yes! yes! Great finish. Oh. <laughs> now he's gonna hit a woman. Most work rate we'd ever see uh, Elizabeth do besides ripping off her skirt. <laughs> Beating up a woman. I love Jesse. And now what we all came here to see. The snipping of the ponytail. Earl's like, no, no. Uh, One of the most entertaining pay-per-view main event, tag main events. Great way to end this show. Oh. Yeah. It's called Foreign Object. <laughs> oh, so great. They could stick it. Jesse's like, you know, top of all off, he has to beat up a woman. And of course, we get our usual end of show posing. Hot crowd, good show, great show. Well, oh, when we get to the replay, it's this is gonna be Jesse at his best. Right? Oh my god, he he's already crapped his pants, pissed off. Uh, I've seen this pay-per-view so many times, and it never gets old. It just never gets old.
Now we get our replays. Nice job. A lot of a lot of work rate by uh, Elizabeth here. Probably some of her most her best uh, work here. Flips uh flips uh Sherry drills uh Sherry with the purse. Hogan holding the belt upside down, which pisses me off. Pay attention. And now Liz has the purse. Yes. Does it match? What a woman. Would you want to get a date, Shivani? <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. Oof. He smoked uh, Zeus with it. That was not that was not a light swing. Well, there's the two guys in the suits right there. Oh, there they are. Yep, there's three guys actually. Yeah. I think it's a guy with a Rutgers football jersey in the front row too. <laughs> Who the hell drops it on? on. And gets a foreign object victory. <laughs> now, now if we slow it down, we'll see video evidence of Hogan hitting a woman. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesse was apoplectic by this point of this pay-per-view. Everything that could have gone wrong for Jesse's guys all did go wrong. <laughs> Choking on a woman. Oh, good night. Uh, good timing by Tony there. It's probably his highlight of the night. You know how much money I paid for those extensions? And with that, frame of Dave of Earl with his mouth open. I know. <laughs> and with that, we are done. So there you go, everybody. There is our premiere episode of Wrestle Tracks here on the PTB Wrestling Network. We gave you SummerSlam 1989. Greg, final thoughts. Oh, what an amazing pay-per-view. It's, you know, I rented this tape as a kid from... The, my local video store, uh, Ultimate Video, which doesn't exist anymore out in Cinema Riches, Long Island. It's now an ice cream shop. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I rented this tape so many times from the video store. And every time I rented this tape, I would always have a smile on my face for the whole three hours watching it. Uh, I As well, again, I bought this pay-per-view and I actually taped it. So I had it on, of course, I had it on beta because my dad thought beta was a better machine. And technically, oh, geez. technically it was. But uh, yeah. my dad didn't realize that that we only got like five shelves at the video store. But in any event, uh, then I eventually bought it, of course. Now it's obviously on the Peacock. But I mean, just I always vacillate between 89 and 98 as my two favorite SummerSlams of all time. Uh, one is the peak of the Federation era and then one is the peak of the, well, not the peak of the Attitude era, but... One of the best pay-per-views of the Attitude Era. Maybe that's one we'll do next year. Uh, We'll see. 
uh, anyway, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, again, you can follow us uh, on all of the socials. Check out, of course, Greg's amazing show. It's a thing on TV on the Pop Experience feed. I'm all over the place. You know where I am. So have a wonderful night, everybody. We will see you next month in September once again. First week of September, so the day after Labor Day, if you're listening to this uh, currently, uh, we will post uh, three shows for the month of September. Probably a Unforgiven, probably a Fall Brawl and something else. I don't know. And uh, you vote. Give us some votes and let us know what you'd like us to do on the second episode of Wrestle Tracks later in the month of September. Have a wonderful Labor Day weekend, everybody, and we will see you on the Wrestle Tracks.